0: abel skeever from a danish town in california blueberry beer in michigan and europe's fattiest pastry this week we're talking with darlie newman about her tv show travels with darlie traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes tasty beverages and interesting experiences this is the destination eat drink podcast on the radio misfits podcast network I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. This is the show where we explore all the dishes and drinks this great big world has to offer. And this week, we're talking with Darlie Newman. You know Darlie from her PBS show Travels with Darlie, where she's the host and executive producer. Darlie also has a show on PBS called Equitrekking. And let me tell you, Darlie has been everywhere. So we talk about all kinds of places and the food and drink she's had along the way. Dishes like Kugelhof and Flemenkouke from Strasbourg, Galettes and Cider from Brittany, France, and Ebelskiver from Solvang, right here in the U.S. Plus, Darley tells me about sampling moonshine from the cask and her favorite craft beers and award-winning chefs in unexpected small towns. Darley also gives a preview of the upcoming Season 9 of Travels with Darley, which will air on PBS in January. But before we get to that, do me a favor... Check out our website, DestinationEatDrink.com. I've spent quite a bit of time in the pandemic going through and updating it because, well, a lot of stuff has changed during the pandemic, and unfortunately places have gone out of business because of the pandemic but also new places have opened so i've gone through all the places that i've got listed in my foodie tour guides and updated them for 2021 you can check that out at destinationeatdrink.com right now though i'm starving so let's see destination eat drink darley newman thank you so much for being on the podcast Welcome to Destination Eat Drink.
1: Thank you for having me, Brent.
0: You know, I love your show, Travels with Darlie, but if any of our listeners haven't seen the show, how do you describe it to folks?
1: One reason I started travels with Darley before I was doing this show, equitrekking, where I went horseback riding around the world with locals as my guides, and I did a lot of different activities on that show as well: surfing in Ireland, which was really cold, <laughs> and snowmobiling in Iceland, also really cold, um, but really awesome adventures. And but what I found is that uh, the best stories are always told through the locals. And with Travels with Darley, I just wanted to expand upon that. So in this series, you'll find me traveling with locals in destinations that are super diverse. And a lot of them are destinations that normal travel shows just don't necessarily go to. Um, some of them are off the beaten path or lesser known, or, they're, or we're going to a city like Hong Kong or LA, and we're finding those hidden gems. So you're getting the local insights and the hidden gems that you can only get when you talk to the locals. Um, So that's what makes it different.
0: That's one of the things that I really love about your show is that you don't hit the most obvious places. I mean, Culpeper, Virginia, North Dakota, these aren't places that are at the top of people's bucket list when they think about traveling. How do you actually go about deciding In the first place, I'm going to go to some of these off the beaten path places. I mean, lots of places are off the beaten path. You have to make decisions about where you're going to go.
1: Definitely. And it's very, it's kind of an organic process at this point. I mean, I'm always out and about and going places and meeting other people and new people. And I actually keep an address book um, that where I catalog experts that I meet. So for instance, if I were talking to you and I happened to meet you in Alabama and you told me you were an expert on Botswana, um, (laughs) I would then, you know, catalog that in my database. And and oftentimes someone says, oh, well, let me connect you to so-and-so, you know, in Botswana, they run a safari camp, or they have a hotel or something. And then I start talking to them and just start kind of building out um, story ideas. So it's kind of almost like a word of mouth thing at this point, because the world itself is so large, um, that I kind of find that opportunities just start coming as you start to talk to more people. But I definitely have places I try to target as well, because I want to do them, or I think it would be a good story. Um, Like I just got back from filming um, Alabama civil rights trail and that those two episodes we're doing two half hours are going to be amazing. And just the people that we interviewed, we really captured oral history. That's so important to tell, but also those great food and drinks that you can find when you're traveling through locations. So it's a very organic process at this point. Um, but I definitely like in my mind. I want to do more Asia coming up, and some other places uh, where there's just more more stories to tell, and places that I personally want to go. Of course, with COVID, it has put a dampen, it has dampened some of the international travels. But this next season we're doing is all U.S. and just really great stories that we're going to share.
0: I've been watching your show for quite a while. I've, I remember when you did the equitrekking show as well, and. You do a lot of active type uh, things while you're out traveling, but you also love to eat. And that's what we talk about a lot on this show. So I wanted to talk about a few of the places that you've been recently, that you've had on your show recently, and talk about some of the food that was there. You did an episode on the Central Californian coast, and you went to a place that I love in California called Solvang. What makes Solvang special?
1: Solving is such a unique location. It reminded me a little bit, and, and you know it, so you you can probably agree with me, but it did remind me a little bit of like a Disney World location because right. it has this Danish history. It was settled by people um, from Denmark and they actually have created the town to look like a mini location in Denmark. And a lot of the the food there is inspired by this by these people in this history as well and their and their kind of heritage and roots. So you can try all of these Danish treats there. And I mean, there's a there's a bakery beside a windmill where you can get Danish <laughs> waffles. And I went to um solving restaurant where they make something called able skeaver, which is a word that I had to. Learn to pronounce a couple times before I got it right. Um, but the
0: Able Skeever looked amazing. Tell folks about that thing. It was awesome.
1: It is definitely something you guys need to seek out, it, if you, especially if you like breakfast foods and pancakes, because it is a ball of fluffy pancakes. And a lot of times they put kind of a jam or a raspberry type. Um, sweetness on top and then powdered sugar. But you dig into that and it's just like a world of pleasure, I have to say. (laughs) It was really, really good. But the good thing about that too in solving was I also went to this place called, um, it was Fresco Valley Cafe that had avocado toast, avocado toast, which I think of as very California. And when I'm traveling in a place I try to find those foods that are would be typical, you know, what you would think of for that area. So I did mix in some healthy food as well with the avocado <laughs> toast, which was very, very good. But the Abel Skeever is something that people should definitely seek out and try. And then there's all this great wine there because you're in the Santianes Valley, which if you saw the movie Sideways and also they filmed... Um, the movie Sideways in Solvang at Solvang restaurant. You can actually go and sit in the booth where they filmed a scene and have Abel Skeeper, which is pretty cool. So there's lots of great um, treats to have if you're if you're venturing there.
0: I think Disney World is a good way of putting it because I don't know that if you went to Denmark, you would see a town that looked really that much like solvang it's kind of looks like something that would be right out of a hans christian andersen book or something like that you know what what we imagine as a fantasy of what a classic denmark town might look like
1: totally and and i just really liked the central coast in general for its diversity and it's so nice the weather's so nice and you have all this great scenery and interesting places and you know beautiful valleys and vineyards but also coastal locations where you can get great seafood so i thought the diversity of food options there was really awesome and i seek out i mean i've been doing this for over 10 years now and i've had the privilege of filming with James Beard award-winning chefs, Michelin star chefs, taking cooking lessons from them, which has not improved my cooking skills that much, (laughs) I have to say. Um, But it's been a real treat to to try all these different foods by these amazing chefs. And it's spoiled me. So when I tell you that the food is good somewhere, you can definitely believe it because my palate has gotten spoiled now, which I think is a good thing because I'm really discerning on the food. So I'll say, oh, this is really good. This is, you know, this is where you should go.
0: So let's go to Strasbourg because you did an episode on this town and the food looked pretty amazing there. This is in the uh, Alsace region, which is known for great wine too, but they had something that looked like an Alsace uh, pizza. Can, Can you describe that? What was that like?
1: Yeah, the the it's a tart flambe. They also call it. I'm not going to pronounce it right because I let my local pronounce that one in the show <laughs> Um, But it's, it's you can just say tart flambe. And it was we had it actually in the town of Strasbourg. My guide was very animated when he brought me to this place that he thought was one of the best for this dish. But what what I thought was interesting about this it is like a pizza, but it's very thin and they make it in a wood fire oven um, and it's oftentimes they put munster cheese on it, which is from that area and big slabs of bacon, onions. Um, they put a cream on top. So it's not, it's not super healthy, but, um, really tasty and just kind of a different take on pizza, but very, very thin crust. And that's what I thought was good about it because you have all this cheese on there. I'm a big cheese lover. So anything with cheese is good in my, my book. Um, but you basically have this thin crust. So it's, a little bit lighter than you would think. And you have to kind of, you have to chase it down with a beer, a local beer when you're there, <laughs> because there are a lot of German influence in this influences in this part of France, which I think makes it really interesting uh, to try the food there. And then there's a lot of bakeries in the area. We had this um, Kugelhof, which is a cake. It's like a yeasty, um, not super sweet cake that they they put raisins, almonds, and different things in it. It's, and, and there are little pastry shops. If you just walk around, you'll see it in the windows and it's a bunk cake shape. So you can tell what it is. But the food here was also really diverse and, and speaks to, again, these German and French influences in this part of France where you have these storybook towns and they have the hot mold wine if you're walking through some places. Mm-hmm. And I went to this really great cheese and sausage shop and met this local guy who didn't speak any English and he had a beret on. And I was like, oh, this is quintessential. (laughs) So it was really a magical place to try some different food and drink items.
0: Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Strasbourg's ping pong back and forth between Germany and France over the centuries and decades and whatnot. So you've got that cool influence from both. Um, And you mentioned the beer. So we've got the German influence. Did you also try some wine while you were in uh, this area of uh, Germany slash France?
1: I definitely did. And actually, it was really interesting because I was on, I I explored this area on a Rhine River cruise, on a riverboat cruise. And it was my first time doing a riverboat cruise. And actually, I really liked it because the ship was small and we would go right and you, where you docked, you were right in town. So you, you know unlike some bigger cruise ships, there's no tendering. You can just walk right off the boat uh, and sailing down the Rhine is also really beautiful and unique. You see castles and little villages and, was, and you go through locks, which I think is interesting when you go through locks. And I just did a show on New York's Empire State Trail that's coming out this winter. And we there's a lot of locks there from um, the Erie Canal and that all that history. And I just think that engineering is fascinating. So you can sip on wine and look at castles as you float down the river, uh, which was an, a unique way to explore that area.
0: Could anything be better than that? A castles, wine, floating down the river. I, I don't know if it gets any better than that. It was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) One place that's on that's high on my list is the Brittany region of France, because it seems so different than the rest of France, because maybe the maybe the British influence there. And I'd love to talk to you about what your takeaway was when you were visiting Brittany. How did you enjoy it? What was it like? And was it really different than the rest of France that you've been to?
1: It is really different. There are a lot of the British influences there. And the food is really different. But the seafood, I would say, is something that you have to get when you're there. I went to a restaurant on the coast and it looked to me like I was in California because I was out over these giant cliffs and it was just a very dramatic setting and had poached salmon, which sounds pretty normal, but it was delicious. (laughs) However, they made it just fresh from the sea. And there were so many interesting foods and pastries and drinks to try when I was there, uh, including cider. They have all these varieties of apples in Brittany and they, they pride themselves on making great ciders, which is kind of fun. Um, They even have like Champagne cider and uh, more of like the different shades of cider, mahogany, brown, yellow, lots of different things. And that was, that was something that was fun to discover because in the states, I maybe once in a while, maybe like once every year or two years, even I don't really order cider that much. But there was it was good and not that tr- not sweet. There were a lot of non sweet ciders, which I thought was interesting. Um, but another thing I thought was a standout there. Uh, I had something it's known as Europe's fattiest pastry. Europe's fattiest pastry. It's called Europe's fattiest, fattiest pastry. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great, it's Queen, right it's up one, my alley. A, I know, right? It's called Queen Amon and they sell it in a lot of the marketplaces. So if you're, and there's a lot of open air markets in Brittany. In a lot of the cities, you'll just find farmers' markets, and you know, selling all sorts of things. And you, can, if you go into one of the markets, you can usually find this or any pastry shop. It's it's something that they're really well known for, and it's actually funny because. I've I've actually had it in the U.S. They they sell it in New York and Whole Foods and some of the Whole Foods. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And then in in D.C. when I was there, I actually targeted a. There's a Georgetown pastry shop that also has them. So, you know, it's not. It, it, it's usually you find that that they have them because the owner has some sort of tie right. to Brittany France. Right, right. <laughs> but it's it's something that is definitely um, made to eat when you're going to do something active because it's made with a huge amount of butter. I watched them make it in a pastry shop in this town that I absolutely love called San Malo, um, which is a medieval walled city. And it's just, just gorgeous, just gorgeous. They have these forts right off the coast that you can go around by boat, or you can actually walk out to one of them, or maybe even more than one of them at low tide, which is kind of interesting. Um, a magical place. But I watched them making this pastry in one of the pastry shops and I just saw slabs of butter getting folded in <laughs> and thought, that's why it's so good. It's really good.
0: <laughs> you can't go wrong with uh, butter and pastry and maybe a little fruit in there as well. Um, were there any other any other dishes that you enjoyed while you were in Brittany?
1: I actually took a lesson in making uh, galettes, which is similar to a crepe, but they make it with Buckwheat flour, and it's not as not always sweet. They a lot of times they'll put like um, cheese or ham or different savory things inside. And you know, it's, just, it's something that you could eat really any time of the day as a snack, but then often for lunch or dinner as well. And that I thought was neat. It was again harder to make than you would think because it's made like a crepe. So you kind of have to like you put the the batter down and you smooth it out. Mine did not look like the chef's by the end of it because it was hard to flip and maneuver, but it was another kind of interesting regional specialty. And of course I had to try it with some local cider to really complete the process. Right, but right, that right. was, that, there's a cafe called Brez Cafe in San Malo where you can get all types of galettes. They make a variety and, and also a lot of different kinds of cider. So I definitely, and across the street from that is a butter place it's actually a shop that just makes butter and they make all kinds of butter. And it was amazing. They make butter with uh, like paprika in it or butter with mm. olive oil and sea salt or all these different combinations. And it was really, really good.
0: Uh, let's talk a little more about drinks because you mentioned the cider. And that's one great thing about Brittany that I've read about. I Like I said, it's on my list. I haven't been there. But, you know, you think of France, you think, oh, we're going to drink wine. You go to Brittany, you drink the cider. I've watched a lot of a lot of your show, Darlie, and it occurs to me that you enjoy, at the end of a long day, a nice beer. Am I wrong in thinking that?
1: I've tried a lot of beer in my travels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are some of the beers that you've enjoyed, some, maybe some of the craft beers that you've enjoyed while you've been traveling around?
1: There's a, um, a small brewery in South Carolina along the Swamp Rabbit Trail called Swamp Rabbit Brewery. And I, I like trying lo- I like trying really local beers. So, um, there I found some just unique, unique local, local beer. And it's kind of fun when you go somewhere. Um, and it was almost like a, almost red in color, which is kind of weird. Um, but it was actually, I mean, they had all different types, but the one I tried, but it was actually really good. Um, I went to a brewery in Little Rock, I really like called Lost 40 Brewing, and it's a micro brewery. They had a lot of different, barrels happening there. <laughs> and they, that was, they use Arkansas honey in their beer, which is something unique. I, I think when you go in different places, when you can ask a local again, or someone working at the place where you're, where you're trying that food or drink, how it's really made, you'll really enjoy tasting it more because then you start to taste those flavors. And cause sometimes you can't put your finger on exactly what it is, but when you, you know, you start to get that conversation, you, you understand more about it. Um, I, I just was in Alabama and, um, tried some different local beers there as well, but everywhere I go, I try to find, you know, what's local, whether it's beer or uh, like a wine that's brewed there or cider or something like that. Um, I did do St. Louis, uh, which is known, known for its beer. And I went to this place called square one brewery there and, they had some Belgian beers and I also got to go to Belgium and try a lot of different in Belgium, which was really interesting. Um, So all over, I've really sampled a lot of different food and drinks in my travels. I actually did a food and drink show, um, a a kind of a mashup episode taking segments and things that uh, didn't necessarily make it into other episodes, but where we had really good food and drinks and I compiled it into an episode that's in one of my, um, latest seasons out on PBS.
0: A couple of years ago, you went to Ottawa, Illinois, and I actually grew up outside of Chicago. And I watched that show a couple of years ago. And I said, I'm not even sure I knew about Ottawa when I was growing up in Chicago. I, I don't think I had ever even heard of it. And I think you had, if I'm, if my memory serves me correctly, uh, did you have a blueberry beer while you were in, uh, Ottawa doing that show?
1: I had a blueberry beer in Michigan. Okay. When I was at, um, it's a a waterfall area. Um, But I, in Ottawa, I did also have beer at, um, it was Tangled Roots Brewing Company, which is right downtown and again, has that German influence so again, I guess I've tried beer everywhere I've gone. <laughs> well, beer is one of those things that's really low. A lot of times very local and there are craft breweries that have popped up all over the place. Um, but, you know, in Ottawa, I was actually, su- there was some really good food in Ottawa. Uh, there, I had pizza at a golf course that was really good and I'm having good New York pizza a lot. So I'm now saying, you know, that's good pizza. Uh, I just was at post office pies actually in Birmingham, Alabama and had really good pizza there. Also the wood fired, um, oven pizza, which was great, but there was a really good Italian restaurant. Um, Mark Allen's that's in, that's right outside of Ottawa that was also really good. The owners went to the CIA, which is the Culinary Institute of America. And I think. You find when you travel that in a lot of small towns and places where people say, oh, the food probably isn't, you know, it's, it'll be local or a specialty. But there are a lot of chefs that have moved around our nation and they they pop up. They are award winning chefs. And in the most um, you'll say, oh, I didn't know that that would be there. A restaurant in the middle of nowhere. Aiken, South Carolina, um, this restaurant that this woman Heidi runs is like a pilgrimage site. Um, and there's just a lot of places that I've, I've discovered that I've said, oh, wow, that was really surprising. And the food was really, really good.
0: I guess next time I go home to, uh, visit family and friends in Chicago, I'm going to have to put Ottawa, Illinois on my, (laughs) on my bucket list of uh, places to go. You went to a place called Belmont Farm Distillery, where they make a legal moonshine. I'm saying legal L-E-G-A-L, as opposed to, you know, making moonshine in the woods. Um, how was the moonshine there? How did you enjoy it?
1: It was strong. <laughs> <laughs> I find most moonshine to be really strong. Uh, the guys that one of the guys that, um, runs that is on the discovery show moonshiners and he took me around and the, and a lot of times when I've gone to some of these distilleries, I've gotten to try things right out of the cask which is kind of interesting and makes it even stronger um but you know i'm not a big i'm not my palate is not personally like i'm not like oh i want to drink some moonshine but of course i'll try anything when i'm traveling but i will say that that was very strong (laughs) no you could definitely light that on fire um and but i think the moonshine industry is interesting because again a lot of the people that are working in it um you know, they have a history with it as well. A lot of people I've met, like someone in their family was doing it illegally, you know, at some in some location before and they have the recipe and they're making it now and it's a legal operation. So it's it's kind of fun to hear that history and, and learn about how how their distillery or how their place came to be.
0: I did want to ask you what you've got coming up for season nine. But first, something occurs to me. Um, You know, as I'm watching your show, you're, you're very active. You do a lot of biking and, you know, you're out hiking and stuff like that. Do you have the same level of activity when you're at home? Or is this, you know, is this for the show? Do you come home? Do you eat healthy? (laughs) Um, Because you're eating all these pastries and stuff like that, but you're a a thin lady. So how does that work for you? What's your health regimen like?
1: Well, after this Alabama trip, I did come home and I'm trying to eat healthy right now because I ate (laughs) barbecue, pizza, hot dogs, hamburgers, like a lot of donuts. Really good donuts, um, and it was really awesome. Um, but you know, because I'm also doing it for the camera, people people say, "Oh, did you just take a bite and not have any more?" No, because I take like 17 bites sometimes. Because <laughs> we have a single camera shoot, so we try to get different angles. And so that means that I have to try things many times sometimes. So poor, poor
0: darling. I know, right?
1: Well, you get a, you get a sugar rush when you have 17 bites. Yeah, I'll bet. Um, but really good food and locations. When I come back, I mean, I'm, at, I'm active in general in life. I, live near Central Park in New York City, and I'm always there running or walking or I, I bike around the city. So I pretty much stay active in general. But of course, I'm not nearly as active as I am on a lot of these film shoots where I'm out you know, for 12 hours hiking. And like when we just filmed in Colorado, it was hiking, mountain biking, horseback riding, all sorts of activities that I don't necessarily get to try all of those and especially mountain biking at high altitude, that was tough at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you definitely work up an appetite. And that, in that sense, I don't mind trying so many different things when I'm traveling because I'm hungry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're going to burn it off anyway. Yeah. So uh, you've talked a little bit about uh, season nine. You mentioned Alabama and the Civil Rights Trail. What else do we have in store for the upcoming season of Travels with Darley?
1: Yeah, I'm excited about this season. I'm doing two half hours on Alabama's Civil Rights Trail. And those episodes in particular, I'm really excited about. I think they're going to be fantastic and people will learn so much and hear really unique stories. But I also was able to film along New York's Empire State Trail, which is a 750-mile trail that a lot of people don't know about because it's it's newer. And it runs from New York City all the way to the Canadian border. So I was able to hopscotch the trail, hiking, biking, walking, and visiting small towns along the way and really get a sense of of New York State, which I think is there's so much to offer. This was my I filmed three other episodes in New York State. So I've done Finger Lakes for two episodes and the Adirondacks. So this will be another great episode exploring New York. We also did Wisconsin's North Woods um, and Colorado. National forests and branches, and a lot of adventure stuff. So it should be a really good season. And I have another shoot coming up in South Carolina, where I'm exploring a Revolutionary War trail. So I'm looking at historic sites around Charleston and outside of Charleston, South Carolina.
0: Well, great food in Charleston. We lived there briefly, and uh, man, did I enjoy. Did I enjoy getting some grits in uh, Charleston? Oh. There's some great places. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> you think grits and uh, you get some some cheesy grits and I'm set. I'm set yes. for the day. Of course, you have to have a beer with that too, Darlie. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a joy talking to you and I'm really looking forward to your upcoming season of Travels with Darlie. We'll put a link to your website and your information in the show notes so that people know where to find you and where to watch the show. And I would also suggest, because I follow you on social media, I'd suggest following Darlie on social media because uh, you post some great pictures and videos on there that are just really uh, colorful and entertaining. So uh, thanks for being on the show. It's been great talking to you, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon.
1: Thanks, Brent. It's been great speaking with you as well, and I'm excited to... I'm excited to talk about food with you because we both share a passion for it. So it always makes for interesting conversation.
0: OK, there you go. The new season of Travels with Darley will be on PBS in January. And you can stream several episodes for free right now on Ovation TV. I've got links in the show notes at radiomisfits.com slash ded one five six and if you're listening to this the day that it drops it's the day after thanksgiving happy thanksgiving i've also posted a link in the show notes to our episode about native american cuisine my friend loren spears talks about the 13 thanksgivings in native american culture well that'll put a bow on this week's show next week As if you haven't had enough desserts for Thanksgiving, we've got sweets and desserts on the podcast. Until then. I've got a new blog entry on my website. I put stuff there all the time. And this week I posted a story about the best viewpoint in Lisbon, Portugal. Lisbon is the city of Seven Hills, so there's lots and lots of great vistas. But this one's my favorite. You can read about that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and moonshine bootlegger Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Fred Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.